When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options. In stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Your memories. Where do they live? Yes. I'll show you upstairs. For Harry Gilbert, some of his memories live in a wardrobe in the empty house he lives in in Bray. Here I have. In there hangs one of his granddaughter's dresses. School uniform, right. I know maybe I'm just being sentimental, but I like that's all I have of them. They're not going to bring anybody back in the world. For Ben Lynch, some of his memories live in a field behind his housing estate. I built this grotto and the statues so I can get up every morning and talk to them and have a conversation with them. For Kathleen Connors, some of her memories live in the air around her Halton site in Dublin. We've heard the children outside my mother's house. We've heard ch- noise of children late where you wouldn't hear noise of children. So we know them babies are always going to be with us. Like, we won't be able to hold them or touch them or anything like that, but they will always be with us. Harry Gilbert, Ben Lynch and Kathleen Connors are all survivors of the impact of the Carrick Mines fire. Between them, they lost 10 members of their families. Children and adults, one of them a pregnant woman. Carrick Mines wasn't just a personal tragedy for the families involved. It was a national tragedy, we were told. At the time of the fire in October 2015, it was all over the news, naturally. People queued to sign books of condolences. Politicians made promises. But when the cameras were turned off, the books of condolences closed and the voters turned their attention elsewhere, what was left? Just memories? From the documentary on one, this is Minding Mary, Has Ireland Forgotten Carrick Mines? One more set of memories. Dublin Fire Officer, Ray Martin. You come on at the start of your shift and the officer calls out your badge number. That tells you what duty you're on for that evening. So for that evening, I wasn't driving, I was in the back of the fire engine, which would also indicate who's going to wear the breathing apparatus. First thing we were going to was a caravan on fire up in Carrick Mines, up that way. 
The headlines. A large fire has broken out in Carrick Mines in South County Dublin. As more calls came in and the control room were more specific on what it was, they were getting more details. They in turn then over the radio, they let us know. Fire at a halting site on Glenamuck Road South in Carrick Mines. The halting site is located just off the M50, close to Carrick Mines. All the way over the M50, just dark all the way up, and then just a glow on the left-hand side as we pulled up. Delta 122 request National Ambulance Service, over. The radio was directing Ray and his team to a temporary halting site. It was a large area of tarmac in a field. Part of it was surrounded by a spiked fence. All around the site were prefabs of various sizes, as well as a garden office, a shed and a small caravan. We stopped. We'd have our own jobs that we do. I was on the breeding apparatus team if needed, so we start getting holes in. We were directed in around the corner, into the left. We went down to the left. We came around the corner and it was just a, a wall of fire. It was just a glow. It was just from the very ground all the way up. It was, it was flaming. Yeah. The fire brigade were brought over to one of the prefabs. It was a long, low building with several rooms like what you'd see on a building site where the engineers have their drawings or the builders have their lunch. But here on this halting site, this prefab was a home to a couple with five children. And this night, the prefab had more than one family in it. There had been a celebration and a sleepover. So a few hours earlier, 11 people had gone to bed in this prefab. That's five adults and six children. The celebration they were having was because one of those adults had just announced that she was pregnant. Tara Gilbert, the daughter of the man you heard earlier, Harry Gilbert. Harry lives in an estate in Bray and for years he always stood out to the neighbours. That's because he was a single father to twin girls. Picked them up at school, buy them stuff, food, everything, you know. Lively, spirited girls. Amanda and Tara. I don't care, Tara. You are not wearing that mini skirt <laughs> up to here. Yeah. No. Why? Yeah. Because it's too. Did you ever hear the too small? Yeah. No. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Tara was the wild one in her younger days. But Tara turned out to be the lady and the quiet one as she got older in her 1890s and her teens. Tara already had two little girls, and in the autumn of 2015, she came to Harry and told him that he was going to be a granddad again. Do you remember the day she told you? I was delighted. I said, see you now. We're going to tie your legs now. And you're, that's the end of that. You know, I'm just... <laughs> Tara was in that prefab that night when the firemen arrived. So also were her two daughters, aged four and nine, and her partner. They were some of the people fireman Ray Martin and his colleagues had just arrived to rescue. Would you describe what you saw when you pulled in? And there was a lot of people around. I can remember that saying, will you help them, will you help them, and grabbing the hose and trying to take the hose and help, I think would be the right word, and that's, that's natural. And people were screaming, people were directing us to do stuff. There was a lot of 
panic. One of those panicking was Kathleen Connors. She lived on the Halton site in another prefab with her young son who was asleep in bed. It was around four o'clock in the morning when Kathleen realised there was something wrong. She was still awake chatting with her brother. I said, wrong, Kathleen, look out in the field, look out, look out. I said, what? Look out, he said, there's smoke coming from everywhere. And that's then when I, when I jumped up. I was like, there couldn't be, where? I jumped up and I looked straight out the window and I could just see the whole lot of ice up in smoke. And I couldn't believe it. Like The fire started in the kitchen of the prefab beside Kathleen's. In there, someone had left a hot plate switched on with a chip pan on it. And then we all just went running with no shoes or whatever, just running, running, running. When Kathleen ran around to the prefab that was on fire, the fire brigade had been called and some of the rest of her family were already there. My brothers and my family were in. could see my mother at the gate, could see everything. My brother John went through into the fire. Two of Kathleen's brothers had already gone into the flame and prefab through a broken window. They had pulled out her four-year-old nephew and her five-month-old niece. One of the brothers then tried to pull out two of the adults, but they were too heavy. That brother was only 14 years old. By the time Kathleen got around to the burning prefab, the four-year-old boy was lying on the ground being given mouth-to-mouth by his grandfather. They needed to get the baby away from the fire and to safety. The infant was handed to me, Mary was handed to me. Kathleen then ran with Mary back around to her own prefab. I got my son up and told my son to mind her. I said, John, I said, get up, I said, mind baby Mary. I said, there's something going on. I said, I have to go back out and have to rest. And he looked out the window, mommy, 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 he said. Everything is up on fire, everything's up on fire. Because he could see out straight out to the back window, where Thomas was. So everything's up on fire. He said, you don't move, don't move. I'm coming with you, I'm coming with you. He said, no, you're not, you're not coming with me. He said, stay there, he said, mind the baby. So he went down, minded the baby for me. He was howling in the bed waiting for me to come back in. Mommy said, I mind Mary. He said, make sure don't move from her side, don't move from her side. She was happy and she was smiling and I put up in the blanket about time. I fixed the cushion so she wouldn't roll off the bed. Then Kathleen ran out through the main gate of the site and around to her brother's prefab, the one on fire. And I see my father, I see my mother roaring. My mother was roaring and roaring and screaming. The boys were all trying to get in to the fire, get in and try to help them get out. One of the windows ended up going through and I put my head through. I was feeling the bed. I couldn't feel not any of them. I couldn't feel any of them in the bed. And I was roaring and roaring and roaring. Trying to feel the hands of Sylvia. The Sylvia Kathleen was feeling for was her sister-in-law. She was originally Sylvia Lynch from Bray. Sylvia grew up in a caravan and then in a house. Her brother is Ben Lynch. What's your favourite memory of, like, Sylvia? Oh, Sylvia, <laughs> she was like me, very fussy. <laughs> she always looked after herself and kept herself well, you know, like, yeah. in, like uh, people used to say to me, oh, look at him, he thinks he's Elvis, and I used to say, ah, she look, Elvis tied with me, like. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Sylvia was the same. She, every morning she always brushed her teeth, looked after herself, kept herself in good shape, yeah. always kept herself well-dressed. When she got married, Sylvia had moved out of Bray, but she stayed close to her family, particularly to her brother Willie, who was in a relationship with Tara Gilbert, that's Harry's daughter. So when Sylvia heard that Tara was expecting, she invited Tara, Willie and their two little girls to a celebration in her home on the Halton site in Carrick Mines. 
Do you remember them leaving here that night then to I go over? I do, yeah. And the night that they left, I says, when you're leaving, don't leave Jimmy behind because I don't want him being in the house by himself. Jimmy was their older brother. He was in an accident years ago and he, he was sort of a little bit damaged in the head. And we said, when you're leaving, bring Jimmy with you. Yeah. And that's what he did when he brought Jimmy with him. What Ben Lynch didn't know was that while he was in bed in Bray, Kathleen Connors was looking at his sister's prefab in flames. I could just hear noises. I heard a lot of noises. There was clicking and cracks, and I'm not sure if it could, be, could have been people making noise. I'm not sure. There was an awful lot going on there. Ray Martin and the Dublin Fire Brigade team were now at the back of the halting site. And when they got there, they saw a prefab containing nine people consumed with flames. The structure on the ground, I could make out the bottom of the window to the right and the bottom of the door. So we knew that was the front door, that was the entrance in and the exit out. But, you know, that was the restrictions that we had. There was no other way in or there was, there was no other way out. It's small consolation to families. But Ray Martin says that by the time the flames are visible, those inside would already have been knocked out by gases from the fire. Carbon monoxide and cyanide and all the different things that are in the fires, we know that if somebody was in a, in a room and these gases filled up the room, we know that the person would be unresponsive and their breathing would stop. So at that point then, do you make the decision to go forward? Is that when you went forward to that cabin or to that door? <clears throat> Looking at the intensity and fire, look at the situation that was there and what we knew, looking in their experience and our training, that situation was gone quickly from a rescue to a recovery. And we weren't positive of the amount of people that were in that fire, but we definitely knew at that stage that if anybody was in that fire, they were dead. A number of people have died in a fire in Carrick Mines in South County Dublin. Joe McGrailey reports. Emergency services were alerted to this incident at 4am this morning. The fire broke out at a halting site on Glenamuck Road South beside Wayside Celtic Football Club in Carrick Mines. Six units of Dublin Fire Brigade from Dunleary, Donnybrook and Nutgrove fought the blaze and three ambulances attended. We made fire cover down around the port of cabin and we got water on and we were just knocking it back. But all we were doing was preventing it from, from getting any worse. And while the firefighters were trying to control the fire in Sylvia's prefab, one of them made an awful discovery. There was part of the cabins very close to the back of the fire that we were initially dealing with. The wind direction, the intensity of it had spread and the kitchen of one of the other ones had started to burn. This was Kathleen's prefab, where she had brought baby Mary for safety. Kathleen's prefab was only a few feet from the one where the fire started and the flames had jumped that short distance. I seen all the fire get men running and I seen all the smoke. Her prefab was now on fire. She raced back around to the front of it, where her son was minding the infant on the bed. I had a little step at my doorway, about three steps going up into it. And he was on the top step. And I just said, John, I said, run to mommy quick. I said, run now, run. And he ran to me and he grabbed onto me. I remember a lady being there saying that the baby, she was telling her officer that there was a baby in the port of cabin. The baby was there, definitely the baby was there. 
the resources that we had at that stage was a length of hose. We were putting water on the, the flames to knock them back off the kitchen. When we did that, the corridor and the, the doorway would reignite. And then we were doing vice versa. So we put the breathing apparatus on. Before I went in, I asked the lady, whereabouts is the baby? She said, the first room on your right, baby's on the bed. That was a massive help. That was a huge help. I think that building had four or five different rooms in it. If we had been told she's just in there, it would have took us longer. We went straight to her. And Von Mason came in with me, the other firefighter. We just, we went in. While their colleagues were holding back the flames, once they got inside Kathleen's prefab, Ray and Vaughn still had the problem of visibility. If you consider driving in a blizzard, driving in snow, if you turn on your main headlights, your full beams, you'll actually see less because of the reflection that's coming back. So you dip them off. There's no LED torches or anything out there that will go through the smoke. So when the smoke is there, we're, we're blind, basically. So when we're going through, we use what senses we have available to us. Um, the sensing the heat, moving around and following search procedures, so it's all touch. We'd be sweeping with our legs, we'd be moving through, we'd be moving our arms, making sure there's no wires hanging down or objects in front of us. But Ray says there's a moment in a fire when the heat takes over and pushes the smoke down and allows them to see. And that's what happened just as they were going into the bedroom where baby Mary was. When I went in, I could see, yeah, I could see Mary on the bed quite clearly, very clearly. Yeah, I could see her there. I could see the duvet, the way the duvet was pushed back, the way she'd been tucked in. If the place was full of smoke, we would have been searching, going around feeling under the bed, on the bed. But in that case, it's your pity of your stomach. It's, I saw her on the bed. She was safe. The duvet and the pillow were kind of in a position that any of us babysitting or with our own kids would put our own kids in. And I put all the pillows around her in case she ever rolled over. And in case my jaw went back asleep, I was thinking, if the child ever roll over, because I wasn't thinking what was going on there at the time, do you understand me? I was in two places, I'm just glad I had her. If anybody had said, right, pick out a safe spot there to, to place Mary while all this is going on, I would have picked the same spot. Because at the time, I didn't think it was going to be what, what it was. Nobody could have anticipated the fire direction, the fire spread, how intense it would have been. So we just went over and picked her up. Yeah. Her ears were burst, her little earrings. It was just like a little dog. Cradler, we brought her to the door. There was another firefighter there, Keith. I handed Mary to Keith, the firefighter. He turned because of the paramedic background that I'd have. We followed Keith, got to the ambulance just as Mary was going into the ambulance and got into the ambulance with her. And then we started to do intervention CPR and get advanced medications to, to Mary all the way to Tala. It's going to be like, put it out and it's going to be okay. I didn't think it was going to go so severe. 
I didn't think that I was going to see body bags going out. I didn't think I was going to see numbers get laid out. The number of body bags was at this point nine. All from Sylvia's prefab, where the fire started. There was Sylvia, her husband Thomas, and two of their five young children. Then there were the sleepover visitors. Sylvia's brother Willie, his partner Tara, and their two little girls. And then Willie and Sylvia's older brother, Jimmy. All of the children who were laid out were under 10 years of age. I sat at the doorstep till sometime the next day after everything was died off and all the police and all the people left and everyone left. And I was just sitting at my mother and father's doorstep, my own child, and just thinking, how in the name of God did this happen? What's after happening? What, what's going on? Like, just trying to let it sink in my brain. While Kathleen was sitting on the steps, Fireman Ray Martin was on his way to Tala Hospital with Kathleen's five-month-old niece, Baby Mary. After the deaths of nine people at the halting site, the survival of Baby Mary was a chink of hope. Anything we could do, we did. Every treatment and every possible resuscitation, all the way to Tala. The crew on Tala Paediatrics were brilliant as well. But unfortunately, shortly after, they pronounced her dead. Baby Mary was now the 10th victim of the Carrick Mines Haltonside fire tragedy. And then the phone calls went out, telling family members of the horrific news. The calls went out to Bray, to Harry Gilbert and Ben Lynch, the two men who between them had 11 relatives in the prefab. I went to work, which was a Saturday morning. Tara's father, Harry. I was told about half nine to get into the car one of the friends and I knew nothing about the tragedy. We had to go out, uh, where did I go? I went out to some um, centre where all the people go and the travelling community went just to see what happens. But I asked the guard, is she a con out there? And uh, she said, no, you can't see her. Obviously she must have been badly, but... Um, and uh, I never did see them. I never did really, Ever, any one of them, and all between the three families, me, the Connors and the Lynches, never could see because they were all closed caskets. Harry had now lost his daughter, his two granddaughters and his future son-in-law. RT News on Radio 1 at 9 o'clock, the headlines. A large fire has broken out in Carrick Mines in South County Dublin. A number of people have died. When Ben Lynch drove the M50 over to Carrick Mines, he found out that he had lost 10 people. His sister, his two brothers, his two nephews, his three nieces, his brother-in-law and future sister-in-law. In a genuine mind, how I ended up on the M50. I just, just ambulances and cars and stuff like that and I sort of got, I got a little bit of um, worry and I just kept asking questions but I didn't get any answers but I knew what I seen was just enough to, to believe what I heard from that morning. And when I got home, I didn't realise I was actually out there. So it's just mad the way... Like it was out of body experience, kind of, or...? Yeah, it was just lost all inside. Everything just went. 
The surviving family members of the Carrick Mines tragedy don't talk about 10 members of their families having died in the fire. They say 11 died. The 11th family member being Tara Gilbert's unborn child. A candlelight vigil is taking place in Bray in County Wicklow tonight and our reporter Samantha Libreri is there. Samantha? Well, Eileen, tonight in Fasaro and Bray, there was emotional and incredibly moving scenes as hundreds of people gathered here to remember the 10 people who died Amazing in the Carrick Mines fire. When my family died, everyone came together in this estate. And I didn't find that as a surprise at the time. I found that as a family. Everyone came together. Tonight, Pope Francis sends condolences as five of the Carrick Mines fire victims are buried. During the funerals, Kathleen Connor says she was in a daze. I don't even remember the funerals. I don't even remember. I remember just being put in one place and put in another place. Just before noon, in a solemn procession, five hearses carrying the remains of the Lynch Gilbert family arrived at the Church of the Most Holy Redeemer. Hundreds of close family members and relatives and members of the wider traveller and settled communities filled the church to capacity. What was it like it's, for you? It's, it's a thing you'll never forget, uh, the funerals, and it's laws being in your mind. And I don't want to forget it anyway. President Higgins was represented by his aide-de-camp, Colonel Michael Kiernan, and Commandant David Foley represented the Taoiseach. The Taunashta and other ministers also attended. The coffins were carried inside shoulder-high, the coffins of 25-year-old Willie Lynch and his brother, 39-year-old Jimmy. 27-year-old Tara Gilbert, who had been expecting a child, followed by the small white coffins of 9-year-old Jody and 4-year-old Kelsey. Harry Gilbert walked behind those coffins, containing his daughter and granddaughters. Bishop Eamon Walsh read a message from Pope Francis. Having learnt of the horrific fire in Carrick Mines, expresses his deep, deep sadness over this, this terrible tragedy. The Holy Father prays especially for those who have died and he wishes to assure all the family members, their friends and the whole travelling community of his personal spiritual closeness and sympathy at this very difficult time. The 19th of October 2015, Pope Francis, which is very nice. Did you see you get a lot of comfort out of that, Harry? I did from the Pope, you know, uh, and I cried because yeah. I'm human being, I cried like. I don't think there's a day that I ever missed a graveyard. Just uh, when I do go up, I've let it be early in the mornings. I do feel, I feel comfortable during the day. The grave and braid that Harry visits every day doesn't just contain the bodies of his daughter Tara and his granddaughters, but it also holds the remains of Tara's twin sister, Amanda. Almost three years after Tara died in Carrick Mines, Amanda died by suicide. No note, no nothing, no warning. A lot of them, some people detect their lives leaving out, some people don't, some people just... Yeah. Amanda had her struggles and Harry says that the loss of her twin sister didn't help. Harry's girls were identical twins and Amanda had said that every time she looked in the mirror she saw her late sister looking back at her. But she always missed her sister. She swapped clothes, she done the hair. There's an argument over you wearing me top. Are you wearing me runners? Oh, Lisa. Because she take the same size shoes. And, you know. That was in the summer of 2018. 
and six months after that in 2019, the inquest into the Carrick Mines deaths took place. Relatives of the 10 people who died attended today's inquest at Dublin Coroner's Court. The five adults and five children who were killed were members of the Connors and Lynch families. Today, Detective Inspector Martin Creighton told the inquest that the fire originated in the kitchen of the home where a chip pan had been left on the hot plate of an electric cooker. That accounted for the deaths of nine people in the first prefab. But what about baby Mary? She was taken to safety in the second prefab, the one that the fire jumped to. Why were the prefabs put that close together? The inquest found that they were put so close together because there were no fire regulations to prevent this. And the reason there were no fire regulations was because the site was a so-called temporary site. In fact, it had been temporary for the previous eight years. Later, the inquest heard evidence from Dunleary Rathdown Council officials. They said it could not be made a permanent one, as the land was earmarked for road development. The council's director of services, Thomas McHugh, said the halting site was built as an emergency temporary facility back in 2008. As it was built under emergency legislation, it did not have to comply with building or fire safety regulations, and there was no time limit on that exemption. So why do halting sites stay temporary for so long? Permanent sites are more expensive for the county councils, that's true. But observers say that money is not an issue. They say that it's there, but it's just not being used by the councils. This is TD Podrick McLaughlin speaking in the doll. Taoiseach, since last weekend's tragedy at Carrick Mines, disturbing information has come to light. Dunleary Rathdown County Council is one of 15 local authorities across the state that has drawn down no funding whatsoever this year for traveller accommodation. And this is Senator Eileen Flynn speaking in the Shannon just a few months ago. Local authorities left more than 72 million euro unspent in traveller accommodation. So, if the problem isn't money, what is it? Campaigners and researchers say it's political will, or the lack of it. Catherine Joyce, a traveller activist, was interviewed at the time of the tragedy. She said the lack of political will is often because of temporary sites. Settled residents don't like the fact that they're rough and unregulated looking. Residents don't want traveller sites beside them because what they view a traveller site is very often the unofficial sites. Mm-hmm. They don't see the permanent halting sites and housing schemes that are built in conjunction with local areas and in conjunction with the travellers to a very high standard because they're few and far between. Today, seven years after the Carrick Mines tragedy, temporary halting sites are still exempt from fire regulations. This is because they're considered a collection of single dwellings and fire safety in a single dwelling is the responsibility of the homeowner, not the authorities. Back in Carrick Mines, the surviving family members are now living in a permanent site. It consists of a number of bays and houses with concrete walls between them. When most of the families moved back in though, they discovered that the houses that they'd been given weren't normal houses. <coughs> That's meant to be the sitting room. Oh my God. This is where our bed was. We had the double mattress here. The bed? Yeah, the bed for me and John. Wow. And Kathleen has shown me the hall of the house where she and her husband used to sleep. That's because the houses have no bedrooms. They have kitchens and sitting rooms, but no bedrooms. How could you get a bed? That's what they gave me. I put a double mattress here. That's the front door. Right, yeah, that's the front door. That's where we had our double mattress. 
The council put spaces for mobile homes beside the buildings. The mobile homes were for sleeping in. And told us, go in there for two years, do your cooking, your washing, whatever you need to do in the house, do that, and go out there and go sleep. For some travellers, this arrangement works. They want the option to live between a permanent structure and a mobile home. Kathleen says that's not the case with the travellers in Carrick Mines. That's travellers that travel. We like we we don't travel. Like we we brought up brought up in a house in Ballyhogan. We don't go travelling. So we obviously wanted a house. So they told us there's four houses getting built for years. Half a house. It's appropriate, perhaps, that I'm speaking with Kathleen in what she calls a half a house. That's because she says that since the tragedy, the rest of her life is incomplete. How do you how sleep at night? Do I look like I sleep? No, I do not sleep at all. I was thinking that. No. Like, how do you relax? How? No, no. Get a load of medication, relax. Get a glass of hot milk and go to bed. Some evenings to just try to go to sleep or to just clear the brain for a couple of hours. Put on a series and I'd say, now, at least for f- half hour this now, I won't be thinking about it. But then it could be just a song that'd come on or it could be just a name that could be mentioned in it or something that someone said before and make you think back. Right. And you're back to square one. Yeah. Yeah. You could be back to thinking, what if? Do you get any good days? Ah, uh, no, I don't. I I get up, gets me child to school and that's what I have to do, that's my job. Like Ben Lynch and Harry Gilbert also spoke to me in places particular yes. to them. That's the coat that's on the headstone that, to my other daughter, which Tara wore for... Harry lives in an empty house in Bray. His daughters and granddaughters gone. Jody's community. It's a silence. Because the house is always like there's always one or someone's coming through the door after school or someone's coming in from work. Or I put the telly on, but you're... I could sit here till tomorrow morning. It's a silence. It frightens me. It lets me down. But at the same time, I think they're still with me. He has photos of them on the walls. And in a press, he keeps a pile of newspapers and some books of condolences. From all over Ireland. Um, I'm assuming... The three families got a copy of each. Got a copy of each. Every paper they kept. Um, <clears throat> our local paper. You won't read it. Yeah, what are you thinking when you're looking at that, Harry? Could you just get... A very, very rare I look at it. They're in it. I don't know why I keep them, but sure. There's another one. It's in the world. All gone. There's Tara, look. Anne's reveals family agony as four parents, five children, uncle and an unborn tot. Do you mind reading them at the time, Harry? What? Did the coverage ever bother you? It did and it didn't. I was so traumatised. But I think we should have been compensated somewhere along the line. Definitely, definitely. Okay, a wall boiled down to a chip pan, fine. Still, if it had to be in proper places and proper built and spaced out, maybe somebody could have been saved along the line, but I'll never know that now to this day. We'll always hold on to the memories of the yard and 
the family ways of standing around a fire when the father used to tell little stories about leprechauns and... Ben Lynch is in the field behind his home, where his family used to live. Every time I walk into that yard, I do walk by that door and I would say to myself, I remember tiring Willie in that caravan. Now, it's, as we say, it's all about memories again, you know. It's, yeah. That yard is... There's so many memories in that yard, you, you couldn't believe it, like. How did you explain it to your kids that Jodie and Kelsey weren't coming home? We didn't really explain anything to them in that department because... I couldn't talk to anyone for at least two or three years after, like, in I just, I didn't, I didn't want to talk to anyone. I didn't want to come out of the house. I couldn't even drive the car for six months. When we lost our family in that fire, we lost ourselves as well. We found it hard to, to get up in the morning to live with ourselves, but I found this belief in my heart to stand up and say, look, Ben, you have your wife, you have your lovely kids, you know what I mean, you have your boxing. I actually run a boxing club. And uh, Yeah, I have me and Paul and Darren, we started up the Inniscary Boxing Club. I don't know how it is, but we have a lot of good talent in our club. If I say if it wasn't for the boxing, I say I'd be in the park now sitting with a bottle of wine in my hand, drowning my sorrows. That any time I fell down, I came back. Any time someone ran me down, I'd come back. And any time I was knocked down, I'd get back up. There's a little room in the back of my mind, a little small room where I just shut things out. And I just, I shut everything out in the back and I just keep moving forward. And on the right-hand side, as we look at it down the drill yard, we've got road traffic collision, the RTC. Ray Martin, the fireman, is still with Dublin Fire Brigade, dividing his time between being on call and training new recruits. The drill ground we're looking at, 33 recruits broke up into three of their disciplines. Does our memory stay with you then? With Mary, yeah, I still kind of, you can, I can visualise it, yeah, without a doubt. You know, I don't, don't really get upset over it, but it's definitely something that if anybody asked me, I think for whatever amount of years I'm in the Fire Brigade, I, I'll always remember that, yeah. Ray says that for his profession, the Carrick Mines fire tragedy has made one important difference. Fire service across Ireland have put in the fire safety, visiting sites, traveller sites, and carbon monoxide alarms, fire alarms, improving conditions that are there. Even if that is something that came out of the Carrick Mines disaster, well, isn't that something to stop it from happening again? That's on the ground. But what about higher up, at the level of government? Today, seven years after the fire, for those interested in the situation for travellers in Ireland, Carrick Mines is a byword for the lack of progress. They think we're rubbish because they leave us beside a dump. This is from a conference on Irish travellers a few weeks ago, where the word Carrick Mines was mentioned many times. Local authorities are failing. Contributors from the floor said that local authorities are not managing to care for travellers properly. They've been failing for the last 20 years and they've been failing since the beginning of the state. It's so complicated. Those contributors included a county councillor. We have one site in our area, for example, and for the last 14 years, it's on the TAP programme. Hasn't been done yet. The conference speakers demanded that the job for housing travellers be taken from the local councils and given to a national authority. National Traveller Accommodation Authority. This is not a new idea. The Department of Housing and Local Government told us that back in 2018, 
an expert review group recommended that the government set up a National Traveller Accommodation Authority. The department also told us that now, in 2022, the government is considering it. Thank you, Senator. Now for the Civil Engagement Group, Senator Eileen Flynn. Thank you, Cahirlach. Tara Gilbert, Willie Lynch, Jodie Nine, and Kelsey Four. Jimmy Lynch, Thomas and Sylvia, their children, Jimmy, age five, Christy, age two, and Mary, five months old. Has Ireland forgotten Carrick Mines? mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save 